0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dungeon Casters, Dungeon Master Advice Show for Rookie DMs, by Rookie DMs. I'm Scott. And I am Ben.
1: And we're here to help you run your campaign. Right
0: out of town.
1: Yeehaw! Podcast!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about game atmosphere, which encompasses a lot more than it might... Uh, at first sound
1: it's like a it's like smorgasbord episode
0: yeah this is sort of a buffet of, of of other information that we didn't necessarily feel either fit in other categories or that we didn't necessarily have time to go into when discussing other things yeah so where where do you want to start because i think for me the one that has been a lingering question for us and and that we've gotten some questions on on twitter and stuff is about weird sized parties because I, I feel like this is a very present problem for a lot of DMs.
1: I too would like to start there.
0: Okay, great. Then we're then we're we're even on on our decision. So let's let's talk a little bit about the the size of party experience that we've had. I, I want to go first just because I think mine's shorter.
1: Well, I know you've you've had more. I do. I just want to ask, man, what's the biggest party you've ever DM'd for?
0: Um, the biggest I've, I've personally done has been, does that count me or does that not count me?
1: We'll count the DM as a part of it.
0: Okay. All right. So people at the table
1: playing Mm
0: -hmm. that I've been running, let's, I mean, it's our usual group, right? It's gotta be our usual, usual group. So that is one, two, three. I think it might be seven. I, I want to say seven. It could be six, but I want to say seven because I think one or two times an additional person played that didn't usually play.
1: And then there was that. Seven. There was that time. I think it's seven. And then you.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't even count me. So if we're counting me, it's been a sort of eight-person um, game. If we if we don't count me, it's been me and seven layers. Yeah, I think that's right.
1: So, so you were there for this, but for me, it was, including myself, 13 fucking people.
0: <laughs> I remember. I, I do remember playing in that game, yeah. Um, that was... What a... What an Olympic sort of event that became... <laughs> what a challenge for you. I And I, I will... Y- you were so eager and then I saw the day come and you just looked... The fear of God was in you. It was like you were going to throw yourself into the lion's cage... And just hope you survived it. It was incredible.
1: Well, and that was the thing. Is like to be fair, it was a one shot I yeah. planned specifically for this number, and it was a birthday party. It was like someone wanted yes. their birthday party to be a big D and D game.
0: Yeah, you were the man doing the balloon animals.
1: Yes, um, and we'll we'll explain that a little more. I will say that the biggest regular continuous game I've ever heard of when I was going yeah. to college one of the professors in the radio, TV, film department was running a game for a handful of his students. And by handful, I mean ten of them. And they met every week. That's a lot. Ten players That's a every lot. week. I, I was friends with a couple of them. I didn't get too much information on the game, but, like, that is ridiculous.
0: That is ridiculous. Because I guess I guess I want to say, just to contextualize all of this, and this is, I'm sure, a contentious point, because there's people who that you can freewheel in any direction all the time. Um, but I, I, in my opinion, and I think in the sort of designer's opinion, the general group sits between three to four people. Maybe three to five, but at five, you start to kind of go wishy-washy. Four is the number, right, that they put all the challenge ratings, kind of like that's yes. the equation. four
1: players, one DM.
0: Right, and so um, now challenge rating is its own sort of contentious issue that we won't get into here, But it is it is kind of assumed that four is the average number three being a little bit less, but probably in the same vein of of, you know, you get a a nice trio of jobs and it's easy to do. And the math doesn't change that much. Five, you start adding things you get like, you know, that's where you start saying I'm going to get like two healers or like a. a a bard that does a lot of other filling-in-the-gap stuff, but you're still working in, like, normal territory, like, stuff the game is really equipped to handle. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, on the box of D&D, like, really, it should say, like, three to five players, you know, as its average. But, you know, I'm thinking about games I've run, certainly, which have been much more recent and that have never really been less than six, but, like I said, upwards of seven. And games that we played when I was just a player and we first started playing for the years that we were playing uh, 3.5. Yeah. We we still had very large groups back then. I don't it think we continually had like six or seven, but we would always have at least five.
1: At least five. Or six. Six yeah. normally. Um, And that was when I was just starting to DM. Like, that was yeah, like yeah, my yeah, first yeah, time yeah. DMing and everything. Yeah, that was a long um, time ago. And from people I've talked to and other you know dungeon masters I know, it is a common situation because yeah, it's it's what's happening is D and D is you know growing. It's becoming a more uh, significant game. A lot of people who you know five ten years ago would have been like, uh, what, are now like yeah. you know what I wanna I wanna give it a try. And like most people I talk to about it are very receptive of the idea of like, well I've always heard about it but I've never tried it. Yeah, I'd try it.
0: Um, yeah, and I think that has to do with when they started reworking the systems, they started doing it from a very, uh, uh, they, they took some of the, the genre out of it, if yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. They started to strip a little bit of the hard fantasy away. So yeah, so I think in in removing a lot of those fantasy elements, th- though obviously the game is still heavily a fantasy game, they've emphasized the sort of second life, you know, it's just a bunch of people hanging out, cracking jokes you know, you play like a game, but it's more of a loose interpretation of it. And because it's whoever's running, it makes it the game that it is. You know, you can downplay the elements that people don't like. And you can emphasize the things that they find just more interesting or cooler or, or less. This is a strong word, but repellent in some way. And so it's 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 had this. I don't want to call it resurgence. I think we we mentioned this, that maybe it's like never been bigger so that it can't necessarily even be. Said to be having resurgence, it's having like this explosion, just, this like eruption of popularity. It's just,
1: yeah, it's growing. Yeah. And so like I think that the old problem was like you're gonna get your ass kicked or you're gonna be sent to like Bible camp if you get caught playing DD. Oh, that was and yeah, now, I mean,
0: that was the old
1: problem. Yeah. The new problem, or at least the new problem I've had, is like, oh, are you playing? Can I can I join the game? Too? Everybody wants Which, to play. Like, yeah. I I get it, like I love it. I think it's great. Um, not enough people dungeon master for this to really work, where like I have a circle of friends at college and there was like twelve of us, fifteen maybe, and they all wanted to play D and D and I was the only <laughs> one who was real willing to DM. Yeah. And like other people one of the kids in that group was a person who taught me. He was my original DM. So like He knew how to DM, he could have, it's just people didn't want to. Well, I I think
0: especially in old systems, it was so mechanically intensive that it was, like, no one wanted to commit to it, right? Because it was a huge amount of work. And even in 5th edition, it's a huge amount of work. And so you start doing this thing where it's hard enough to make the game run smoothly, consistently with three or four people. When you start racking Mm -hmm. up into, like, you know... Seven of seven people and we'll talk about like group um, makeup a little bit in this episode later, but like assuming it's your friends who want to play, going from this assumption. Yeah. You 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 throw this out to the to the ocean at large and seven of your friends say yes. Well, it's like, what do I do? Say, No, I'm only taking four of you. The three of you can, well, of can go fall in a hole. I mean, you're not gonna say no unless there's there's like a much better reason like oh you don't live close enough you couldn't come consistently enough you know you you the time doesn't work for you whatever it is you know if you have a reason like that that's one thing but you end up in this situation a lot because it's gaining popularity because people are more interested because the game has made itself more accessible the party size is increasing theoretically the the number of DMS is increasing but not at the same rate and you get this thing where once upon a time you had to scramble to find three people and now you're trying to see, like, what do I do with 8? What the hell am I going to do with 8? The game just, like, starts to go kind of nutso with that many people. It's hard, to, it's hard to play it straight. You have to start bending things around. And if you're not experienced, that's really hard to do.
1: So that being said, what have you done? What was your experience and what did you do to kind of curb and manage it?
0: That's a really good question. I, I won't say that I did this excellently because I don't think that I did. I know that I tried to do certain things. Um, one of the issues that I, I frequently faced was, and there were there were huge benefits to this, but one of the free, the issues I faced was that not everybody I was playing with was at the same level of experience as a player. Some of us had started playing and then stopped. Some of us kept playing for the entire time. Like I pretty much was playing the game consistently with you, and mm-hmm. and maybe one other person in the group for since we started playing the game right everyone else kind of dropped out for a while they would come back in these kind of bursts over the years and and then one of our players um you know who wasn't friends with us we didn't even know him um, years ago he was playing for years and years and years on his own and he is as experienced as you and i are probably maybe a little more so because he's a little older than we are and so there, there was know. some people at the table who knew a lot, which was really nice because they could sort of handle some of the mechanical issues, which is great, you included. Yeah. And there were people who didn't know anything, so that was kind of nice because they were a little freer on the role play. So in terms of like the social interaction, that was okay. But it what I always struggled with was <laughs> i'm sorry i have to stop my girlfriend is throwing socks at the cat and it's so funny I'm sorry. she's throwing her underwear at the cat to try to keep her in the room anyway so it's so funny so um anyway so the issues that i faced were less about knowledge right because i think if you have a party where everybody's new the issue you're going to face is nobody's going to know how the game is supposed to go except you, maybe. You'll be the dictionary. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to be for so many people because with so many people, you get a lot of questions. You have to field so many questions about so many different aspects of the game. If you're lucky enough to have people who do know the game working with you, that some of that is assuaged a little bit, right? The issues that I faced anyway were um, you have at least a few people And if you're unlucky, quote unquote, everybody with an extremely strong personality who wants to be at the forefront of the conversation. So you oftentimes have a lot of people talking. Um, The other thing you often have is the game balance is just totally wacky with that many people. You sometimes have four DPS spellcasters, one fighter, one bard, and no healing. You'll have like these combos like, all right, well, okay, what do I do with you? So you start to go, like, the the CR in the book stops meaning anything because it's, it's built for something that's not in front of you. So that was an issue. And then it was how to keep so many people on track, entertained, especially because with that many players, you have a lot of diversity in the threads of interest and player stories. So these are the issues I was facing every time. The way I handled the information was I would... Honestly, I just was like, I would divert to you or our, our other friend, Brandon, who you both knew so much more about the game than me. So that was great. Uh, when it came to the trying to keep the player character stuff like, at, you know, in check, I didn't get to do that as much as I wanted to. I, I really intended to have the, the character stuff be more forefront. I had this main through line. I thought as we're doing it, that'll come about. But I was able to bring it up when I saw it. But you always had this issue of, you know, I I give somebody their sort of character moment in this game and the games would run ultimately like six or seven hours just because the conversations (laughs) were so big and long and everyone had to do something and it took forever. And I had to plan games big enough that it was a challenge for that many people. So I would I actually kind of stopped having combat to a certain degree. I didn't necessarily plan for combat because combat took forever right combat's long anyway i stopped trying to plan it what i did instead was i gave you a lot of gray area moral story based adventures where it was more about there's a problem that has difficult to decipher good and bad it was Mm -hmm. there was maybe you know two bad figures and you were like the lesser of two evils how do we handle both and there was a lot of uh, conversational sort of dynamics happening there about you know what do we want to do who do we trust who do we use what do we you know and then with so many people oftentimes you get you know there was times where some of the party was pulling the wool over the eyes of some of the other members of the party so some Mm -hmm. of the story became that you know that with so many people i said well I have a cast of characters who will kind of screw themselves if I give them a sufficiently complicated scenario. Uh, and if they engage in combat, they engage in combat. And then I just have to run with it at that point. So I avoided combat as, as a, as a, as, as a necessary part of the story, because I knew that you were committing to like four hours, five hours plus, you know, sometimes. So I avoided that. Um, but it's tricky. I, I did my best to incorporate everybody's character stories, but you're always contending with the fact that you can't give everybody the spotlight, and because there's so many people, the cycle takes a very long time. Um, so I, I, I gave it as much as I could. I tried to give multiple people at once something that to cling to with their own backstory, but it's, it's a huge challenge. I, I, I think that I'm still... Having a difficult time figuring out exactly how to even do it. I think I got some of it
1: down, but, you know. Here's the thing. We're rookie DMs Mm -hmm. too, so we're still learning a lot of Mm -hmm. this stuff. But, like, I think that um, for me with bigger parties, like, definitely not... And, like, avoiding combat, I think, is the wrong word. Because, as we talked about before, combat's a part of the game. Um, But just, like, figuring out through trial and error and experimentation which combats go the quicker and when you have big parties lean into that one so if your party is good at taking down one big boss really quickly that's the kind of combat you're dealing with but if your partner uh, if your uh, you know characters are really good at just like taking down huge groups then just go ahead and throw minion after minion at them and let them just grind through them. Because that way, you know, you figure out what works best for your party, your party gets into a rhythm. Um, but I do think there's aspects of combat that are good to pull in to mm. the uh, non-combat game that help with these big parties. Now, our experienced player that we had uh, at the table with us had said that in pra- past games, he had the DM... Uh, have consistent initiative, where you rolled initiative at the beginning of every night, and then that was your initiative for all interactions. So for puzzles, for speaking, for combat, and you re-rolled for the combat interactions, but, like, you had your standing initiative. So you come into a conversation and the first thing is said by, you know, whoever rolls the highest, but the next question or the next answer is the next person in line. Yep. So it doesn't become who can speak the loudest, who has the biggest personality, who's going to overwrite everyone else. It turns into everyone gets a turn, and you have to figure out how to work yeah, together. It, it, and yes. forcing forcing that, forcing the player uh, interaction, forcing the players to work with one another is the best way to deal with a large party.
0: Yeah, and it, it is... I think, I think what I, f- I failed to do, but that ultimately is important. And, and this is one of those things where like the players might find it frustrating and be like, I don't want to you know have this, but it is, a, it is a necessity at this kind of level is time limits that exist outside of the game world. Like hard, real life. I'm going to take my phone out and put a timer on. You get one minute mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and going to like the conversation, like we all have to come up with a plan of what to do it's like, all right, we're going to take turns. Everybody has one minute, okay, to propose their idea, okay? You can use that to propose a new idea, or you can use that to propose uh, or, or, or to second a pre-existing idea, okay? And at the end, we can, like, take a, a hand vote. But there's going to be as many minutes as there are people, and there will be no more than that. I don't want it because there's, okay... The argumentation is cool in character, you know, like I love that yes. the, the role play that happens there, but I've every single time I've, I've, I've had these conversations where players are like back and forth thing about, you know, what they think they should do. It takes like an hour and a half with this many people. It takes
1: it's, it always does.
0: ever. And unless that's the game you want to have, that's the game you're going to get if you don't enforce our deadlines. And it's it's unfortunate, well, but it's just it's just a necessity. It's like you're you're running like a class, right? And it's like we have an hour to get through the material. That's what we have. Anything beyond that is not happening today. And your players have to be aware of that. That there are just limitations yeah. uh, on the time.
1: And here's here's the other thing with that is I um I'm a little less forgiving than yeah, you are, Yeah, I'm not. In I'm not. I'm a pushover. To... Yeah. Well, in regards to the metagaming, too, in regards to speaking out of character, breaking character, like, I used to, when I first started, physically punish the players. Like, the characters would take damage yeah, yeah. from a deus ex machina device whenever they I did I remember
0: like the that. brick, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, I dropped so many bricks. Um, but, like, and, you know, brick just falls out of the sky, and I roll a d4, you take that much damage, and hopefully you learn your yeah. lesson. And if not, next time you get into a combat, you're going to have, you know, depending on how many times you did it, up to, you know, 10, 15 less HP. And if you're low level, that's a killer. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, it was a problem for a lot of people. Nowadays, what I do is I just railroad harder. So, like, I'm infamous for railroading, and when people, when it starts breaking down and stuff, I will just make the world start interacting with them. And if it gets to the point where it's still not working, I'll just have them roll initiative. And, like... I'll just, I will throw a random incursion on them for taking too Mm -hmm. long. And those kind of things keep people in the moment. Because the bottom line that a lot of people, it's very hard to, the hardest part about role-playing in D&D, the hardest thing is that, you know, Ben, myself, any of you around the gaming table, we're not heroes. We're regular-ass people. And so we have been raised, we've been socialized, and we've lived our whole lives thinking along these very, regular ass people kind of mindsets so when we get to a problem the logical thing to do is to stop think about it discuss all your options find the best plan and if you think you have a better plan than the other one make sure that the better plan is in right, well you
0: you because in normal life you probably have to fear consequences in a way that in the D world like you don't Yeah, I mean, you do, but you don't, right? But you don't. Like, you don't. Death isn't permanent. The DM can be on your side. And you can roll up a new character if you have to. You know, you can can do, you can be more animated and cartoonish and sort of single-minded. You know, if your character is contemplative, that's, like, fine. But being like, let's exhaust every option in front of us is like, you want me to run out and get a sandwich? Because I feel like this doesn't even concern me as a DM anymore.
1: And that's the thing is, these players that you're playing, these people that you're playing, are heroes. Now, not all of them are going to have heroic attributes, but standardly, like, cowardly is not something. Overthinking, anxious, these are things that D&D, the players you play, the characters you play normally wouldn't have because an anxious, overthinking coward would not go out into the world to fight monsters for gold. They would get a job at like a tailor's (laughs) shop or a carpenter shop. So like here's the thing is they you have to remind your players of they are heroes. They act impulsively and with direction and they are confident in their so like there are times people will start breaking down and I'll look through my players and I'll be like, who's the most impulsive? Normally who's the barbarian or who's the rogue? And I will take that person aside and just be like, "Hey, what do you do?" Yeah, I know you're not much for talking. What are you you going to do do right now? Yeah, Yeah.
0: I I think that's good. I mean, I I know that some players hate this, but they need to have their hands forced because you're right. Because the mentality can can get the mentality of of being a normal person can get in the way of the role playing and, and and especially. I think especially with big groups because at some point the conversation stops being about the game and it just starts to being about the conversation and people like forget why they're having oh, it. Yeah. Um, so so I, I, I'm, I'm really with you there. It's, it's one of those things that is, that's probably where the DM has to really put the boot down a little bit. And that's, that's why I like the idea of social initiative because it's like you get your time, you get your opportunity, that's what you get. And if we democratically vote to do this thing, I don't want to hear whining like essentially what I expect from you is that you will go along with it. You don't have to like it. And in the middle, you can sabotage it if you're so inclined. But you're going like you are going the way yeah. like because if, if not, you're because because what are the other options? Right. It's like, oh, I don't do it. It's like, OK, well, then you as a person can go home because you're not going to participate in this particular leg of it. You've chosen not to be a part of it. You know, and yeah. and with large groups, it should be said that what, what you, you did, especially with that 13, 13 person group is you broke them into small groups. You broke us into small groups, you know, so.
1: Well, and here's. It was
0: like groups of three or four. And I did it yeah, and because so- we had six or seven at a time. So I could have a, a fairly full party of people if you split the group in half. It was still like three or four people, you know, so it was like you actually yeah. could 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 have two distinct plans going at the same time but then as a dm you're going like i have to bounce back and forth and things take even longer
1: so well and when you're is the as... exactly and with the thirteen-person party including myself so twelve-player yeah. party um... this was a time where because it was a unique situation yeah. i didn't really have to worry about as many as the normal narrative things and many of the arguments And what I did was I did the quintessential murder mystery. And for big parties, investigative uh, skill challenge-based, like, collection kind of quests are really great. And here's why. I had them split into... um, It started out at an open mic night in a, you know, like, random tavern that they were snowed in. And... Um, essentially, they sat at tables at random, and those were the people they were with for the rest of the night. So it was just like, some people had backstories that involved each other, some people didn't, and it was just, you know, four groups of people that are just like, well, this is the situation we're in, and these are the closest people to me, so this is my Mm -hmm. group. And I had, uh, like, clues for them to uncover, and I had three set paths for the three special groups and so each group would go from clue to clue to clue now while i was working with one group i had the other two do whatever they want it was a birthday party so we were drinking we were eating we were hanging out we we're having conversations and the idea was the entire campaign and story took place in a tavern yep. so the other two groups that weren't functioning served as the white noise yeah, yeah, yeah. to actually Instead of, you know, those side conversations pulling people out of the game, it added immersion yeah. because it felt like you were in a crowded yeah, tavern. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting conundrum, and it's like an unfortunate it's becoming unfortunately more common, and I, I use unfortunate I, I I don't I'm not like proud to use that word, but it's 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 it makes the burden of being a dm which has always been like the most difficult job in the whole game so much harder because it starts to change the game so much so, so drastically in terms of its mechanics and it's painful because you don't want to let people down right you want everybody well, yeah. to feel included and welcome and and I, I mean i want to say this recently what i did was is i started up kind of a, a new game with us and i tried one episode or one episode 1 Session, because we all had to basically do it over Skype to see how it would go. Right in this particular group, there were six people going, but that was because you and another person couldn't be there. So, all things told, if everybody had been available, it would have been an eight-person party. And I just told myself this is mm-hmm. never going to work. I I personally yeah. recognize an inability on my part to handle a group of that size. So I I had to break them into two groups, and I said we have to run two games. I'm not saying you can't play with each other ever. I'm not saying I won't allow for crossovers, but I'm saying that no group is going to be allowed to get bigger than five people, and so if somebody can't show up that week and somebody can play from the other group, you are welcome to fill in the gap with your character or a new character, I don't mind, but I am not going to have groups bigger than five because it's just too much for me, and I think as a, as a DM, it you have to recognize your limitations, and That is one of my limitations is just can you manage in that classic kind of teacher in a classroom way? X amount of people. Can you can you keep them under control in that you don't let them just talk endlessly? Can you keep them moving forward? Can you keep their stuff in order? You know, and it depends on the players. Some players are very, very meticulous. They pay attention. They don't have any side conversations. They're in it right They're in the game. They're listening. They're paying attention. They're there for the game. Some players are there for the hanging out, they're there for the fun, they're there for the jokes, they're there for loosely the game. And you have to know who your party is, you have to know where the limits are, and you have to understand where you have to draw the line, because you do have to draw the line. You can't, you can't play the game at the detriment of yourself, because you're so integral to how the game goes. Exactly. So, um, what about small groups? We've talked a lot about large groups. Small groups is something I've only had experience with like very briefly and very few times. I don't know if you've had any real experience um, with like groups of like three, two.
1: I've I've run with two players once. Um, I've done one-on-one sessions um, as like an intro to a campaign where everyone gets a one-on-one session. It's the same way Aram Vartian did it in God's Fall mm-hmm. to set up his campaign, mm-hmm. and. I thought it was great. Um, it was really fun to have those one-on-one sessions, sure. and those are easy. Yeah, those are piece of cake. Um, one-on-one is great. Um, when you have like two people who want to play, I think the way you did it would be the easiest, which is the DM plays a character. Yeah, and there is a yeah. permanent. There's a permanent party hole filling, combat active NPC. So yeah. like, if you have a rogue. And you have a wizard, you make your NPC a paladin. Because yeah. then you have a tank and you have a healer. Yeah. If they have a tank and they need a healer, you play a cleric. If they have no one that's magic, you play a wizard. You pick an NPC that is with them forever, and that NPC is your party. Yeah, it, it doesn't even and, matter what
0: they are. If you say like, oh, they're your squire, oh they you you know, they owe you money, oh uh, they just thought you looked like a fun group of people. You know, whatever you have to do. I I found that, and 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 I and I think I made the mistake of giving that character maybe like too much presence because it takes away from their story, right? So make exactly. make some really stock, you know, one one dimensional at yeah. least in the beginning. Kind of like, oh, you don't have a healer, a cleric goes along with you because it's a cleric's job to sort of you know th- this is their mission this is the mission they've been given by the church like go with this group and keep them from harm and protect them from evil and they just like they're a cleric like that's what they do you know just so Derek Derek a cleric just so they have something something to round them out a little bit because two can put them at kind of a disadvantage in some regard in that uh, you you will also have to do in the same way with large parties some mathematical gymnastics to make to make anything above, like, a very low level um, not lethal, right? Because, you know, even well, even please. a goblin against, you know, like, a party of two. Like, a single goblin, like, you get one hit off and it's a good hit. That goblin takes down, like, half of the party. It's like, oh, Jesus, right? Like, I mean, it's so easy to be, dis- like, debilitated in a major way with two people.
1: Well, and this is the thing, is, like, that's a distinct possibility and on the other side of things with the large parties when you're dealing with creating those encounters. <laughs> they're they're, the they're a blender. Of... I, I mean, well, they're that's... a blender. And, and here's the thing you have to take into account as well, because, like, you think about, like, oh, I have seven players that are all level two. So, logically, that means that all of my enemies can be challenge rating four. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah you know, rounded up, it's 8 people at level 2, which means about 4 people at level 4. Here's the problem. Those level 4 challenge ratings are too hard for a level 2. So you have a lot of people who are missing every attack, who are getting jacked up every time they get hit, and so you have to either build these massive battles of, Equ- uh, like Equivalency or really jack around the stats and the monster manual to f- tailor your monsters to your bigger party. Yeah, and
0: it, it is tricky to do and that that's one of the things that takes a lot of trial and error and like just learning and playing the game Because you start to get a sense of like oh level one. They hit it about this Their ACs are roughly this, you know, usually their stats are in this ball field. They do about this much damage, right? So I find when I especially look at monster blocks I, I'm, I'm more focused on how much damage does this thing do on average and how many attacks mm-hmm. does it get what are its special abilities then i worry about like health or something cuz health is easy to manipulate cuz they the party will never see it Always. anyway right so you can just say like oh it's smaller it's not as it's not as robust you drop its ac one or two points that's easy but you take something that you don't think about has two attacks and it deals an average of four damage it's like if it hits both dead dead that's it you know you know at least unconscious so you have to be careful with that and um, but I would I would I would prefer small over large for that reason. Because small at least resolves yes. quickly and you can it's, it's yes. easier to manage little things. You know, it's like easier to manage numbers 1, 2 and 3 than it is to manage the numbers 1000, 2000 and 3000 and all the sort of numbers in between. So um, Exactly. For me I would I would prefer a small party, you know, give them a little boost with some NPC and let them kind of roam free. Because the cool thing is with a small yeah. party too is like when you give them a goblin encounter, something that's pretty mundane for a regular party, it's actually kind of harrowing because they are at such a sort of disadvantage because the thing isn't really built for so few people to go out on their own. So I quite like that. It's yeah. going to be very dramatic because death is so present in those campaigns. It, it presents such a large problem.
1: You know that. Well, and I think. I, I, I think that's a very fair point, and I think that when you're challenge building, something to keep in mind, regardless of the size of your party, is that you should alternate between, you know, hard encounters and easy encounters and medium encounters. So like, every once in a while, have an encounter that the party doesn't even break a sweat for, or the party gets done in two rounds of combat. They feel like such yeah. badasses when you remind them that two rounds of combat is 12 seconds, and they took out an entire bait, bandit like raiding camp in 12 seconds. They're just like, holy shit, we're like SEAL Team 6 in here. This is bad.
0: They do like it.
1: so. And then oh. you got to do the hard one every once yeah. in a while where it's just like, holy shit, that thing almost yeah, killed us. Yeah, give them us. something to like, learn. Real fucking yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah.
0: Show, show them that they have power, but they're not, uh, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Um, in, uh, impervious to all harm, you know they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not, they're not immortal. immortal.
1: They're invincible. invincible. is
0: the word I was thinking of. That's the word I couldn't get it. So, what are the things when thinking about, you know, atmosphere and setting and
1: well, did we want to mention? The first thing in regards to setting is online versus. Oh offline. goodness gracious! It is so, a different world, isn't it? It is, and I will say that. Some of my most successful games ever, I have run bare bones on Google Hangouts. Mm -hmm. Um, My party from college, we all went to college in South Jersey. Um, Two of us still live down there. I moved up to more uh, Central Jersey. One of us moved to Philadelphia, and one of us moved to D.C. So, we're too far away. We're, like almost close enough to meet up but just too far to like not have it really be mm-hmm. a thing. So because of that, we decided to go uh, for the, you know, playing online. And at first I looked into Roll20, which is a magnificent it's a magnificent um, you know, program. It it's free, it works really well. It's just kind of complex. Yeah. There's a lot of like rules a you lot. have to learn yeah. with it. Um So we just do it theater of the mind, bare bones in Google Hangouts, and it works really well. People are always in the game because you're sitting alone in a room, so you don't have that, like, interaction aspect. Like, you talk to each other, but with Google Hangouts, whoever's talking, when you have multiple people in the chat, their face takes up the whole screen. So it is spotlit on whoever's talking at that moment. So when I'm DMing and I'm, you know, uh... Uh, whatchamacallit, expositioning, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just my face talking yeah. to them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It's real, which really helps. Yeah, I mean, I will
0: say that when I had that game recently, that was that test drive of the new game I want to do, it was on, it was on, um, it wasn't on Hangouts, but it was It wasn't like some YouTube sort of server room, because we were attempting to record it, and the trouble became, um, one of the troubles was that one of our players, our friend, He's out in California, and his Wi-Fi is garbage. So he dropped out, I I Mm. mean, no joke, 15, 16 times, which was tough. Um, And so that was a constant sort of uh, interruption. And one of our other players, for whatever reason, was just always lagging like a full four seconds behind. So it was very difficult Mm. to have him interact with the conversation and to get like a sort of timely response you know because it was always like he was waiting for the information to come through so that was tough and, yeah. and just
1: like and that'll happen. yeah
0: it, it will it, it's it's it also amplifies the possibility of any kind of distraction because if everybody's in one place whatever distraction happens disrupts everybody at the same time right so everyone does it it's over whereas with this everyone's in a different location so everyone could be disrupted differently at a different point for something you know so for me it was it was challenging in a way that the live stuff was not challenging but it also was a huge party you don't have a huge party that you're playing the online games with this was a, no, it's a this standard was six party. people and it was tough and a lot of people were new and a lot of people were very just excited to see each other cuz they hadn't seen each other in a while So it wasn't ideal. We had like a new player, you know, it was all kinds of things were going on in that game. So that was, that was hard for me. Um, I will agree with you though, that there, there is a nice kind of, there is a focusing quality to, to an online game because everyone has to look, you're looking forward at your screen. You're looking at the face of the person talking, you know, in a way that when you're all together, you can kind of roam around, you can have side conversations, um, without them being really obvious. You know, it's it's actually very easy to lose track of the moment, I think, uh, it, live. Yeah. Because so many things can happen that the DM can't stop or that the players just, they drift off or they go do something else, you know, because it's taking too long. Whereas in the online, you kind of can't get away with it. It's too obvious. So everyone is on yeah. their better behavior in some way.
1: Um, and also in, a, in the same kind of idea online, like... Like, when we play online, about half of us... Like, drinking has always been a part of d d yeah. for me. It's always been a part for all of us. Um, except for Ben. Hey, um, but that's...
0: I'm, that's just I'm you don't a super baby boy, but on, only out of the safety
1: of those around me. Yeah, he's, he's dangerous when I'm he dangerous gets a, uh, any the kind of alcohol man. in his system. Dangerous man. Um, but when we play online, like... Half of us don't drink anymore, and the other half who do like will sip on one beer, or have one glass of wine, or like one, uh, you know, whiskey on the rocks. I have a
0: pitcher of sangria with a bendy straw.
1: (laughs) Or one of those. But like, that's the thing is. It's 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 a lot slower. It's a lot. It's not like just a, like yo pound of bruise with yeah, my yeah, friends. Which like, is what the live beer games often of turned into
0: because there's that there's that sort oh, of argument, that escalation of mm. like, well, I'll get me you another know, beer. Obviously, you're already going. Uh, which, yeah. which 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 certainly I mean, exacerbates the, the talking issue that oftentimes comes up, where the side conversations and the loudness and all that,
1: you know. Which brings me to uh, the next topic I want to talk about, which is. Um, consumable objects at your game. Uh Uh-oh, this
0: sounds illicit.
1: Oh, well, no, I meant like literally food Oh, you meant like Doritos, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I meant like Doritos and Mountain Dew. First thing, good rule of thumb has always been a rule in D&D and will always be a rule in D and I refuse to let this die. Bribing the Dungeon Master with snacks and sodas and anything else is always okay. And it's always encouraged. When I was playing uh, back in the day, when I first started, and this was still a thing, people would bring me bottles of Mountain Dew when we played, because they knew that um. I was someone who did the Dew, <laughs> and I did it pretty hard. So,
0: I'm a man who climbs off. the mountain.
1: <laughs> the mountain of the Dew. The mountain of
0: Dew. Scott, <laughs> Scott, you're a crooked cop. <laughs>
1: I know, it's that's a lot of fun. That hurts me. It hurts me to know about you, you're a cop. But no, I think it's totally yeah. fair to bribe the DM and I would and I would a hundred percent make it clear the moment when it came back to pay it forward. <laughs> this this, like, this, if,
0: uh, this changed saving throw has been brought to you by this Mountain
1: Dew. hundred <laughs> percent. That's literally what it would go to. It would just be like, oh, um, well normally that would have failed but you brought me these Entenmann cookies, <laughs> so this time it passes. <laughs> this time you're
0: fine. Um, yeah, I, and I think just to that so, point is, I, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, a whole big event. But, you know, plan in advance that your normal game runs at least, like, two and a half hours, three hours. Um, our games run a hundred hours. So <laughs> assume at some point you will need to get food and, and discuss it just beforehand say like hey halfway through we're ordering a pizza hey just bring your own whatever you want just bring it with you i don't mind if you eat at the table uh assume at the outset people will need food and drinks at some point even if they tend to like be like no i don't really eat very much like bring some pretzels bring something definitely have something to drink nearby because we do a lot of talking and uh and so just being aware that you're going to be there for a while don't don't assume people don't need stuff you know, give everybody like exactly. a 15-minute break every like hour, just like let them stretch their legs, go to the bathroom, get get a new drink, get some more cookies, you know, w- whatever it is. Uh, assume that at the outset, so plan that uh, or account for that when you're planning your game.
1: The other thing uh, to talk about is uh, drinking in regards to alcohol. And it's the God, kind of I thing thought we just, you thought to we just did that, you wanted but, to yeah, do this. okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, a sober table yeah. is totally an option, yeah. and it doesn't... But it doesn't... It's not a rule. Like, I've never played a sober table. God, I don't and think I have either. I think...
0: Wow.
1: Well, yeah, which is weirder that's, for you, because real you don't weird. drink, but like...
0: I mean, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, no, we have never played a sober I table, wonder what and in like.
0: fact... It sounds magic.
1: It's kind of poor. All right, for whatever. I, yeah, God forbid I, things like,
0: stayed on track for a second. How lame would that be? I've played games.
1: I played. I've DM'd games where like it was like, oh, it's like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. (laughs) So we're drink, and so like we would stay sober, and like, it doesn't really. I didn't honestly change much about staying on track. It was just like a lot less Mm fun because it was. You know, I'm a child, and, like, drinking is fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The other thing, uh, one issue that we came across is um, about 100% of the players (laughs) in the game Ben was DMing, and 0% of the DMs smoked cigarettes.
0: (laughs) That was (laughs) awful. That was so hard. Because we'd play in a room, right? And there's, like, only so much you could... I was getting hotboxed. Like, because where we were... Uh, the the person whose house it was, they smoke inside, and they're like, "Smoke inside, it's fine." So it came to a point where I was I was wearing one of those construction masks while I DM just to try to prevent some of the smoke, because because with six or seven people who smoke cigarettes like as a habit, it would turn into yeah. six or seven people chain smoking for six hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I would go through like a full pack in a session. <laughs> Um, and that's not. I mean, that's not good. Like, oh surgeon general or whoever that is else. So bad. <laughs> like smoking is bad for you. Don't do it. It's not cool and it's gonna yeah. kill you. So like, that being aside, um, I am weak and I've been smoking for a long time, and so mm-hmm. like, that's something to talk about, regardless of if it's like a smoke inside apartment or yeah. not. Like talking to them, being like all right, well, we have some non-smokers here, so maybe we'll do smoke breaks every so yeah. often and we'll take a little breather, that stretch your leg, go to the bathroom, smoke break every hour kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that, that's,
0: a, that's a great courtesy then, to whoever doesn't do it. Um, and I, I remember at some point, it, uh, the person whose house it was, uh, you know, she said, um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say, we don't have to leave the house, but we have to do it in the kitchen. You know, When we're going to have the smoke breaks, I'm not going to force everybody outside we just have to do it in a separate room so that I wasn't um, forced to, to just breathe in smoke, which I'm not I'm not trying to be like a, like a prudish dude here. Like you can you can live your life. But as somebody who doesn't smoke.
1: No, Ben, smoking well, is I bad. Mean, I
0: agree. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to come down. I mean, smoking is a bad thing to do. But if you smoke, I'm not here to, to judge you for it. I'm just saying that as somebody who doesn't smoke, it was it was difficult for me to continue talking for so long when I was breathing in smoke my I would start to get headaches I would start to get kind of dizzy and sick and so um it was uh, it was a nice courtesy so it's something to consider when you're running your games that you know people smoke people do stuff and and if it's not cool with you you know it's worth respecting what they want to do but also bringing up like hey can maybe we just Another room, every 15 minutes go outside, like, whatever you want to do, like, just so that I don't have to, you know, necessarily be stuck in a room, forced to do this, too.
1: And, uh, the final thing in regards to consumables I want to talk about is a little bit illicit. Uh, It's uh, uh, weed! (laughs)
0: weed!
1: Um, so, like... I don't have any opinions on doing hard drugs in D and D because I've never experienced anyone doing hard drugs.
0: Yeah, that in would D&D. be kind of a trip. But...
1: I have, yeah, literally. Oh, um, shit. But like, I have, I have experienced quite a few players uh, getting stony baloney before <laughs> we play, it, and it's always a thing. Like Ben and my, <laughs> neither Ben nor myself uh, partake <laughs> pa-
0: par- and, partake or, like, of the ganj.
1: So, it's a little, it's a little, it's always a little weird, but, like, the only advice I have for those of you who are stoners, unless everyone is smoking and you're literally, like, passing a joint around the table, which, in which case, like, rad, that sounds fun, but, like, um, know yourself as a smoker. Because I have some people who. I've had some people have DM4 who, you know, smoke and they get a little bit relaxed and they're good. I have some people have DM4, they smoke, they lose their anxiety, they get silly, and it's a lot more fun yeah. for them to play. And I've had some people who've smoked and, like, fallen asleep at the yeah. table and, like, calmed yeah, or, down. or people to so know yourself. You know,
0: sometimes their anxiety goes up and they start to, kind of, like, get really uncomfortable and upset. And it's like, maybe this yeah. isn't so conducive to a, a, uh, an intensely imaginative group activity. Maybe this yeah. isn't great. Where you're also having to act like maybe now is not the time. If nothing else, consider pre-gaming that one so that maybe oh. the people who aren't interested don't end up, you know. You know, I, I always think of the situation of like, you know, you can do what you want to do but if I get pulled over when I leave your house, I don't want to have to smell like weed and explain that, no, officer, I don't smoke. I'm just coming from a very raucous Dungeons & Dragons game. That seems like a difficult <laughs> sell. I don't want to have to do it, you
1: know? I, I mean, yeah. And <laughs> honestly, um, yeah, that, that kind of covers... Also, bottom you know, water
0: is not good for your maps, which are usually on uh, whiteboards or something like that. So, you know...
1: Or paper. or paper.
0: Don't want to have a map oh, ruined yeah. by the um, bong water,
1: or by the booze, or by any spillable. Yeah. So, like, here's the thing: if you if you um, allow for food and drink at your gaming table, um, you have to acknowledge that, like, every single time, at least one person is gonna spill. Oh God! Yeah, and absolutely. Be, be ready for it. Without a doubt, it. um, it's
0: usually gonna be the same person every time.
1: <laughs> yeah well that's that's mean that's mean to him <laughs> because we're not talking about generals we're talking about we're one person one who spills every game we you play. know who you are <laughs> i don't think he no, listens but if he no, did the one time it's going to he, this one he's <laughs> gonna
0: be like oh all right thanks guys later." to throw me under the bus uh yeah. but you
1: know, um the other thing is you gotta think about seating arrangement yeah. um yeah oh had... god yeah
0: i almost forgot to even talk about
1: this cuz like we had the ideal we situation did. where we were cuz they had a huge L couch, they had multiple chairs this set up giant around the square big table. Low, it, yeah, it was low. It was flat, it was glass-topped, and then they put a piece of plywood with a tablecloth over it on top yeah. of it. So we didn't have to worry about spills as much, we didn't have to worry about mussing up their stuff yeah. as much and they also had a bunch of cats, which was really <laughs> a fun, fun. Yeah, It was to just D&D. a nice
0: sort of addition. That didn't help the game, but it was except nice to for, see them.
1: Except like my eyes were puffy and well, red and I yeah, was crying at the end of allergic. every night.
0: But, but. And it's because I was allergic, not because I was not sad. Not because you were sad. No, I get it, Scott. No, you were being this was a medical issue. This wasn't like a sad boy issue. I, I understand. Yeah. But I think also yeah. what's worth noting is that in a certain situation with maybe four people, five people, three people, whatever. That would have been like ample space. Everyone could have put their stuff down. There would be room for like a drink, a plate of food. There would have been room for the books on the table. There would have been room for the math. Six or seven people, there was so much stuff on the table. There's so many sheets, so many dice, so many charts, so many books. I had to have my laptop on my lap. I could never put it on the table because there was never enough room. So that was a great setup, but not for that many people. You have to consider like the average person when they sit at like a desk or something. Like I'm at a desk right now, and just with my computer down, a cup of water beside me, and a very small book to my left, right, no, and and not having even that much space between all these objects, I'm taking up probably about two and a half feet just wide. So you multiply that by think- seven, you need a really
1: big table, you know, really big table. Well, and that. And that's the thing is, I think you stick to the same rules D&D uses, where you have that five-foot-squared personal yeah, space group. Yeah, and well, like
0: five feet's a lot, but I know what you're saying.
1: I mean, it's... I, I, I mean, need if five you, feet. That, I well, do. I mean,
0: I ideally, that would be great. I think that's not always going to be practical, but, but I, I think it is worth noting, like, sort of think about where you're going to be playing this and on what mm-hmm. surface, and what room, and then say, if everyone was to be comfortable, let's say everybody is allowed sort of two feet wide of space, how many people are actually going to fit? Like, just how much room do they need? How much room do I have? And then be like, well, I mean, if I have four people, I'm already sort of edging on what this table can hold, or, you know, something, and know that. And that can be a big determining factor in what your limit is as a DM when it comes to setting your group up and arranging a setting that's comfortable.
1: Yeah. Um, The other thing as a DM, if you do have new players, know ahead of time, you're probably going to need to provide character sheets, you're going to need to provide pencils, you're going to need to provide... Oh, God, buy a bag of pencils. Um, Yeah. Yeah, always. Because that's Um, how they come, in bags. That's... Do, do pencils come in bags? They're like plastic. They're like the shape of six pencils lined up together, but it's like plastic wrapped. That's a bag. Okay. <laughs> you wouldn't call it a box, no, would you, I man? No, might, I might You're just fine. call it a
0: wrapper. I don't know. I, I, like I imagine them butter. in like a shopping bag, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. That's a whole semantics issue. Anyway, Yes. Have some backup materials. Have extra character sheets. Have dice. Have pencils. Have erasers. Always.
1: Um, Also, um, if you don't have a venue um, and the online is not a possibility, because that's another great workaround. Even if you guys live like real close to each other or all you know, everyone you're playing with and whatnot, you can you can still do the online if you don't have the space. The other option: find a comic book store find a gaming store near you, most of them have open gaming tables. And if you call them and talk to you, talk to them, a lot of them will allow you to either reserve or will tell you when they have open tables. Um, I've played quite a few games in comic book stores at tables, like in the back. Um, I mean, there's good and bad. A lot of places won't allow food and drink because they don't want all their expensive shit broken, which is cool. I understand that. Um, And you can't really get drunk at a comic book store, but like, I I will say a lot of the comic book stores I've been to have been really, really nice and super helpful, like, I remember last time I went to one, they were like, yeah, we have a tournament going on over here, but we have some tables that we don't really use over to the side, and you guys can take that one, and we all set up, and like five minutes later, this guy comes up to me, he's like, Hey, man, I don't know if you had this or if you use these, but I just have, like, the new edition of the DM screen. Mm. And if Mm. you want to use it, here you go. I just, you know, like, need that back at the end of the night. And so, like, they were really accommodating. They were really nice. It was really enjoyable. Yeah, and I I guess I I want
0: to speak to this at least briefly because, like I said at the beginning, we're working under the assumption that you'll be doing this with friends of yours, and it's entirely possible that you're meeting up with... A group of strangers, I guess, essentially, sometimes, you know, you, you use like some sort of meetup app or something, or you just go to a comic book store and you're like, who wants to play? And there's like five people say like, hey, like, I'm looking to play anybody, else? you know, and in those cases, Adventure League. Yeah, Adventure League, something like that, you know, Wizards of the Coast has um, arranged games at certain stores. So in that situation, you know, you're less in control of the environment, you know, you're running, you're, you're spinning the wheel a little bit. But I think a lot of this is, is relevant. If you're, if you're a DM, uh, it's still, you have to be aware of how many people, you know, if you, if if you look at a group of people and you say, okay, I think I can do three. And you say, somebody says, can I play two? And they're, they're the fourth. And you say like, yeah, maybe realize when, you know, you're like, I think that's as much as I can do and, and say like, I I am Mm -hmm. sorry. Like, I don't think I can accommodate more, you know? Be, be firm about it you know polite but recognize the limit that's fine and and do your best to maintain the same kind of decorum that we've talked about so far you know say like all right like I'm gonna I'm gonna set up like you know some some timers on you know talking in some capacity if it gets out of control I mean with strangers you don't want to necessarily just impose rules on them um, yeah but you know, Sometimes the you game gotta, requires movement, and you have to say, "Okay, or, or, like, yeah. you know, we've talked enough. Like, everybody gets 30 seconds. State your point. Move on. We'll run a vote. That's how this is gonna go."
1: And that's and the and that's the bottom line. When you're a player going into a random DMs that you've never met before's game is they have house rules. Every DM has house yeah. rules. They always will. And so you got to, you know, acknowledge those. And you got to, you know, step aside and let the house rules rule. You can't come in and be like, oh, that's not how I play it. It doesn't matter. The DM's God in that situation, and they decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I think Um, that it's just a matter of, of, in that one, it's a matter of being polite over anything else. You know, recognize the limit, standing firm on it, but saying, okay, this is an environment that is not really mine to control exactly. This is strangers. I don't know them. They don't know me. I don't want to put them off. I don't want them to put me off, like, let's play the game, let's just, let's let's sort of sit and do what we're here to do. And then if it happens to be a very fun evening, you can go from there. You know, once things loosen up a little bit, if yeah. they loosen up, there's movement forward from there. But I, I would say stick exactly. stick to the basics of, of politeness and err on the side of, let's try to make this, this game work first, and then worry about all the esoteric sort of house rule kind of stuff down the road.
1: Later. Well, with that, if you folks have any more questions about uh, setting and running large parties, Mm -hmm. or where you can find comic book stores near you, or how to find them, or how to set up your game, or how to be cool and smoke cigarettes like I do, you can go ahead and email us at dungeoncasterspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, uh,
0: find us on Twitter at dungeon, under, uh, dungeon underscore casters. I must have said dungeon underscore podcast, which would have led you nowhere. Uh, dungeon underscore no. casters on Twitter. Uh, we go on Twitter. I go on Twitter pretty frequently, so I'd, I'd catch any tweets coming our way. Uh, it should be said... Ben more. At- yeah. It should
1: be said... Ben's more active than me. Yeah,
0: I yeah. I mean, I don't do much, but I, I'm on there with some frequency. Um, it should be said that this is this with this episode, we're sort of marking the end of season one, quote unquote. Uh, we're going to do a live stream episode because we hit the views we wanted to hit, uh, and we're still open to any suggestions you might have on that. Um, we're, we do have plans, but like I said in past episodes, like you know, throw us a line, we'll seriously consider it. Um, that said this would be the time to uh if there's anything any questions you have to lead us into things we want to do in the next sort of season once we're done with this little hiatus so we can regroup get some more games in sort of re-establish ourselves in, in the world play more build up more of our sort of questions that we have and our problems and maybe some stories to tell um now now is the time to sort of spring stuff on us so we can have enough uh, enough time to really consider it and do something with it and do some research if we need to Um, but this will be the last episode for a while, uh, not counting, not counting the live stream. Um, it's going to be at least until the new year. I would think I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume before January, um, just so that we can get ourselves together again. I have to finish my semester and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, other than that, we're on iTunes as we always are. You can find us at, uh, dungeon casters under the podcast tab. Uh, don't forget to leave us a, a review, a like. A love poem a love poem yeah i keep saying like that doesn't happen yeah but i mean love poem would be good um <laughs> that would be good yeah send us a love poem send us a, a a piece of fiction about your dog send us a letter to your grandma send us whatever you want <laughs> scott do you do you have a joke for me
1: oh do i have a joke for you ben
0: 20, 20 22 in 22 in and I'm I'm we're ending where we started on on a joke that's going to make me go oh <laughs> hey
1: Ben hey Ben what do you call the unfair advantage that undead have in a necropolis
0: this is this is a specific joke uh uh the unfair okay. I can think of my answer if it's not funny I don't, um, um
1: Do you give up? Yes, I do Damn, I thought I could get it It's white privilege
0: Oh god, stop
1: <laughs> <laughs> There goes season one Bye everyone <laughs> Bye, see you next season See you next season, losers In this podcast, we used Achilles and News Sting by Kevin McLeod of acompatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons.